everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding national liberal arts college. In this 13th edition of the 1853 podcast of the 2020-2021 school year, we'll meet biochemistry senior Logan Evans. He'll be joined by chemistry professor Brad Sturgeon. Logan was among a handful of Mama Science students who presented at a regional conference, and he's getting ready to take part in a national conference. Educational studies professor Craig Vivian will talk to us about how a new outdoor air classroom not only evokes the spirit of the late Buckminster Fuller, but also helps bring area school children closer to nature and their environment. You would be hard-pressed to find a Monmouth student that has gotten more out of their Monmouth experience than senior Logan Evans. A biochemistry senior from Farmington, Illinois, Logan was one of seven Monmouth students who recently presented their research at the Illinois-Iowa section of the American Chemical Society Undergraduate Research, which was held virtually earlier this month. And on November 21, Logan and four of his fellow students from the editorial board of Mama's nationally renowned Midwest Journal of Undergraduate Research will take part, virtually of course, in the National Undergraduate Conference on Scientific Journalism. At the American Chemical Society event earlier this month, Logan presented his research, which focuses on acids and hops. The acid Logan has studied helps give beer its bitter taste. In a normal year, undergraduate students in the Illinois-Iowa section of the American Chemical Society traveled to Davenport, Iowa to present their work at a gathering that's held at St. Ambrose University. But because of the COVID pandemic, this year's conference was held in cyberspace. Logan says that forced students to participated to be a little bit more creative. Um, for myself, it was a really cool opportunity to be able to practice my own uh, communication skills within the sciences and understand how to present on my research, speak on my research, and have that opportunity to grow as a scientist and a presenter in the undergraduate setting. Plus, it's... Um, a good way to build my resume and show uh, graduate schools or jobs that I have the proficiency to speak on whatever I'm doing in regards to my research and present it in a professional manner. Monmouth chemistry professor Brad Sturgeon is chair of the local section of the American Chemical Society. He says the pandemic affected the conference in a couple of ways. First, in how Monmouth selected its students to participate at the event. With COVID in place, um, oftentimes these talks that are given in the fall at the local section conference is work that was done uh, over the summer during the Keefe Summer Research Program. And so since that program did not uh, take place, uh, we essentially picked some of our more senior uh, research students in our group to represent essentially our 
our different research programs in the department. In fact, Brad says that in some ways, the COVID pandemic strengthened the annual event. With COVID, this would be the first year that we were jeopardizing not having an undergraduate conference, but the folks at St. Ambrose and um, others, we decided to move forward with the program and do it virtually. And uh, actually it worked out really well. We were quite, quite pleased with attendance. Um, you know, the number of talks, I think there were 20 talks from the local section and Monmouth College represented with uh, seven of those 20 talks. Um, and so actually COVID just forced us to do it in a slightly different way. And um, it, it actually, you could even make a bit of an analogy to research in general. Uh, research is laden with hurdles and uh, presenting uh, your research data during a time of COVID is really just another hurdle that shows up in our, our minds and the students didn't seem to be bothered by doing it virtually at all, <laughs> as I would expect. <laughs> and Logan agrees. He says this year's conference taught students a valuable lesson about how to adjust and modify and discover some new things along the way. Pandemic has simply altered the platform that we are presenting in. Um, I think that with this new Zoom world, um, we've sort of opened the doors to much easier communication in this form. Um, so I very much appreciate the opportunity to present my work in a professional manner on Zoom um, because I can totally see this moving forward even after the pandemic. Um, it's a lot easier to bring uh, meetings together in this platform. And so if it continues like this, having this experience of being able to communicate um, professionally over my laptop is a very valuable skill to have. You're listening to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. We're chatting with biochemistry senior Logan Evans, as well as chemistry professor Brad Sturgeon. Logan has also been a Keefe scholar at Monmouth. That meant he got to participate in a summer research program that provides students an opportunity to conduct cutting-edge research under faculty supervision. Since its inception, <clears throat> back up there, three, two, one. Since its inception in 2010, the program has grown steadily in scope and in its complexity of research. The program is named in honor of the late Richard Doc Keefe, who, of course, was a 30-year Monmouth chemistry professor who left his estate to the college's chemistry department. Brad says that a lot of Logan's success and opportunities can be tied back to the Keefe Scholars Program. Again, we can tie this idea back to the Keefe Endowment as well, because what Doc Keefe wanted to do was to promote research by having a summer research program. And the experience that Logan got in the Keefe summer research program allowed him to return during the normal academic year to do research. And then again, with the Keefe endowment, there's also funding to do travel to the national chemistry meeting 
So again, this was a local section conference, which was in this Illinois, Iowa section. Um, but again, it all kind of goes hand in hand with the idea of getting into the research lab, doing the research, fighting through that, getting results, and then presenting that results to the public. It's a busy fall for Logan. Later this month, he will be one of five members of the editorial board of the Midwest Journal of Undergraduate Research, and that's published right here at Monmouth, who will participate virtually in the first national undergraduate conference on scientific journalism. Hosted by the Columbia Undergraduate Science Journal, the November 21 conference will bring together hundreds of student scientists and multiple undergraduate research journals from across the nation to discuss research ethics and practice, the publication process, and the role of student journals. Logan says he's looking forward to the event, not the least of which because of some of the event's speakers. USJ, Columbia Undergraduate Scientific Journal. Um, reached out to um, MGER and asked if we would be interested in any capacity. So as the coordinating editor of MGER, I brought it to my editorial staff and gauged interest. Um, some people wanted to be involved, some didn't. And so I coordinated the people that did want to be involved and we've been having separate meetings and we've begun advertising this event to the uh, campus community and we are ready to uh, move forward with this. Uh, those of us who are involved will be acting as discussion leaders at the event. Um, and what that will entail is as each panelist speaks, um, they will then be broken up into breakout rooms. So each like portion will have three speakers and each speaker will go to a breakout room and we will help facilitate discussion for any questions that may arise and I think it's gonna be a really awesome opportunity. Um, we have speakers such as uh, Martin Chalfi, who discovered GFP, well, won the Nobel Prize for working on GFP. Um, this is a great opportunity for um, undergraduates to grow their own um, scientific communication skills, whether they want to go into journalism or not. Um, this is an opportunity to see other careers in the field and grow as a person, regardless of if you want to go to graduate school, medical school, go into scientific writing, um, or what have you. And Brad says that Logan's involvement with the Midwest Journal of Undergraduate Research, also known as MGER, is another example of Doc Keefe's legacy at the college. We give a lot of credit within our department to the Keefe Endowment, because this is exactly what Doc wanted it to do. He said, give them scholarships to get high quality students here. When they're here, give them a summer research experience and then allow them the opportunity to present that research at a national meeting. And when you have that standard that's running within the department for the last 10 years, we then start building upon that. Like for instance, what Logan's doing, working with MGER. You know, the bar has been elevated and now students are even starting to sort of look in other avenues. After he graduates from Monmouth next spring, Logan doesn't plan to let up. He has very ambitious career plans. Right now I'm in the process of applying to graduate schools um, to get my PhD in chemistry. I'm looking at a lot of organic chemistry programs. 
I've so far applied to seven schools. I plan to have uh, 10 plus by the end of the month. Um, but yes, right now I'm sort of figuring out what goes along with that. Um, my current plan is once I finish my PhD to go to uh, law school and do patent law for pharmaceuticals. Um, but I also acknowledge that that's a lot of schooling. So right now I'm just gonna see where the road takes me because a PhD program lasts about five to seven years. So I've been out, but I'll see what comes next after the PhD. But PhD is the next step. That's Logan Evans. He's a biochemistry senior from Farmington, Illinois. He's just started to make a name for himself. You also heard from Monmouth chemistry professor Brad Sturgeon. He's another example of why Monmouth has such an outstanding chemistry department. podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. If you've been out to Monmouth's seven-acre working educational farm, which is about seven blocks east of campus, you might have noticed a giant 30-foot-wide geodesic dome. The dome looks like something inspired by the work of the late American architect and futurist R. Buckminster Fuller, in fact, it was inspired by Bucky Fuller. What the dome is, is an open-air classroom. It's the brainchild of Educational Studies Department Chair Craig Vivian. As Craig explains, the dome helps the farm work with area school children when they have field trips to the educational farm. And Craig has big plans for the structure. The uh, things that we need out here, if we're going to come out here and kids are going to come out here to the farm and work here, they can't come here get their resources, uh, get, their, get their, their data, and then have to go all the way back to the schools to kind of do the work. So we're building this as our first attempt at an outdoor classroom. So the geodesic dome will have protect, it'll be protected you know, from the elements uh, for nine months out of the year. Uh, hoping we'll, we'll hope to get it even more protected. But uh, if you go inside, you can see it's a huge 30 foot diameter space. Uh, with lots of room and we're going to put tables and chairs and electricity and other things inside so that students can come here and collect their data out here, do their work, but then come into the geodesic classroom, do their schoolwork there, do their, do their uh, lab results, all that inside here. And so that's what we're trying to do, make this a real uh, uh, educative experience both in nature and then also with a classroom, uh, a lab classroom. Uh, as a place where they can do their work. The open-air classroom was built by members of the college's educational studies department thanks to support from the Rural Schools Collaborative and a grant from Compeer Financial. Craig says the geodesic dome and the educational farm are part of a larger strategy in the educational studies department. We've got two projects going. One is Rural Teachers Corps, which we're trying to uh, convince uh, people that it's important to start teaching in rural areas and committing to rural areas in terms of their teaching, but also the strategies of teaching. So we're also trying to get people to start to adopt what's called a place-based curriculum. And that is using the place where you live and using the resource. And we've got lots of stuff growing here. It's a very productive place. And what we're doing now is we've just started over the last six months, we've started bringing students here and teachers are going to be coming out here to start to use the farm in what we call our garden 
slash farm curriculum. So they'll be uh, using plants, they'll be using animals, they'll be using the resources here to be teaching social studies, uh, science, math, uh, literature, etc. Already this fall, nearly five dozen area school children have been to the educational farm to participate in socially distanced educational events. Craig says the open-air classroom gives the educational studies majors a lot more opportunities to practice place-based education with area children. Uh, so, for example, they come out here. Uh, we could go over to the bees, which are over here. We could get some honeycomb. Uh, some, uh, we could do, uh, get some, get some uh, comb out of the, the, out of the hive. Uh, we could bring it in here, and then we could start doing things like counting uh, larvae. We do larva counts. We could do, you know, we could take it so it's not over there um, with the bee still flying around. We bring it over here. We put it on a table. We can then start to measure uh, the number of uh, larvae. It's going to take a lot of. Uh, we need a strong light. We need a microscope, or um, uh, a. Uh, we need a magnifying glass. Uh, and we need it to be on a table so we can look at it and we can start to do counts. We can actually, from looking at the, uh, the larvae inside the, the comb, we can see, or the cells, we can see the laying pattern of the queen and we can predict how many eggs she will actually be laying over the course of the, of the week or the month. So that's one project we could do, something like that. We could also uh, be planting things uh, out here, bring them in uh, from the field and we could start doing uh, measurements, we could, we could dissect, we could take the seeds, we could cut them open, dissect them, and look inside to see what a seed actually looks like. A lot of kids don't realize that the entire plant is actually contained in the seed. It's ready to go. Uh, with a microscope, we can cut open some of the seeds, look at those here, you know, get, get different seeds out here from different plants, look at them inside the lab here, and uh, have a much better understanding of what, uh, what a seed is and what it does. You're listening to the 1853 Podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. We're talking to Educational Studies Department Chair Craig Vivian. He's telling us about the college's educational farm, which has a new open-air classroom, and how that helps prepare teachers to teach in this region. Craig says the college's educational studies students are excited about the open-air classroom because along with the educational farm, it helps them become stronger place-based teachers. What we're doing is we're preparing them to go out and find out. Most, most of the people around here are going to be teaching in rural areas, the vast majority. What we're doing is we're giving them the background, the resources, and an understanding of this area and this place so that when they go to their, when they get a job and they go to Abington or they go to Moline or wherever they're going to go, what they're going to take with them is an understanding of how to initiate or start, create a small garden at the school they're at. How they can start to propagate the things that they're doing here in a different environment and I think that you know kids especially elementary you know, it's really geared more for elementary and junior high uh, to what we're doing um, what they're going to enjoy is they're going to enjoy seeing the natural process you know planting seeds coming out uh, we had it last year we had a thing where the kids all did sunflower seeds in the classroom came out we planted the sunflowers out here the kids were able then to come out and see their sunflowers when they were 10 feet tall right that whole process, that whole natural process, is something that kids are very excited about because they get to see a process and the product. 
And so with nature, you can do that. And so to have the teachers go out and be able to replicate that and get their kids excited uh, with, the, with the garden, you can do it, anybody can do a, a raised bed garden at the school. But then what you do, and what we're trying to do here is we're trying to bring in the community. We're, we're trying to get parents and kids to be able to do something together that's related both to their community but also to their, their educational experiences. So to have the parents and the kids start to work together on a garden, to start to be able to observe uh, what's happening in their garden. One of the things we did, uh, we're doing, we just started some modules here that we're sending out. One of them was called uh, From uh, uh, Bees to Trees. And we were looking at the connections between pollinators, bees as pollinators, and then apple trees. We have both here on the farm. We have, uh, we have uh, beehives over here. We have eight beehives over here on the farm. We've got a whole uh, ar arbor over here of apple trees and, and peach trees. And so what we're trying to do is get them to see that connection. Those trees need those bees and those bees need those trees. What then we do is we get them to start planting some flowers that are bee friendly in their backyard and then they can start to observe bees in other environments right they can start to see that bees are actually a pollinator that can that they can see in their own yard that it's helpful for them right and so they could see more connections craig says what also excites him about the open-air classroom on the farm is how it can help school children see not just school subjects but their world in a different way i'm really excited about here is is uh, to really get kids back out outdoors in nature understanding or starting to understand their connection to this place uh, we brought kids out we brought a, a group of kids out of kindergarten through sixth grade a couple of weeks ago we took them we did some we did some uh, some projects here we did uh, we did insect counts we wanted to see where insects were in the farm which places were how they were differently located right where there were lots of crickets of course out here in the grass but lots of butterflies over here in the raspberries etc so we did insect counts we did uh, uh, leaf and seed identifications uh, different trees to see where exactly these different trees are at and uh, what what the leaf uh, patterns look like when they scatter uh, so we can start to see seeds and leaves. We can start to see what they look like when they scatter around. And we were over here inside this uh, hoop house, which is a greenhouse. And the kids got really, really excited to see the different fruits and vegetables that were in there. I had uh, students come up and say, what is this? It was an eggplant. Uh, they had not seen eggplants before. And they wanted to take them home so that they could have their parents cook them. And so just to have, so what I'm really excited about is getting kids interested in nature, interested in the location where they live, and to also be able to really start to think about uh, their interactions with garden space, with farm space, with food, with bees, with uh, chickens, you know, just different aspects of life that they don't really, that we kind of in our kind of uh, uh, current times, I think we tend to kind of forget these things or we tend to not be interested in these things. And I think it's it's important that we get back to nature. I'm a really an agrarian at heart with an agrarian philosophy and I think that we really need to have kids get back to understanding uh, the culture that exists in agriculture. That's Educational Studies Chair Craig Vivian.
To see pictures of the new open-air classroom on the college's educational farm, check out the story in the news and events section of the new and much improved Monmouth College website. And that address is monmouthcollege.edu. And that's going to be a 30 for this 13th edition of Monmouth College's 1853 podcast of the 2020-2021 school year. I hope you've enjoyed this program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody. Have a nice day and stay healthy. Thank you.